a Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. In this podcast every week, we attempt to break down the walls. We break down an issue of, um, of international importance. We delve into international politics. We choose a subject matter and explain it in the simplest terms, really, just so because a lot of these issues are quite complex. Dr. Keith, there is no one more suited to this particular topic than him. Three PhDs on the issue of international politics, very, very renowned commentator in Australian media on these issues. My background is radio for many years as a producer and presenter as well, so I just help you put this together. Keith, I'm the humble bystander. Thanks very much indeed. I've learned just as much as the listener does, you guys do every single week as well. This week we're talking about something that actually not many people, Keith, would know about, and it's called the Pacific Tomb. Yes, that's right, and the tomb is breaking up. And we may end up with radioactive waste going through the Pacific. So th- this is relevant because we are in the Pacific. We are in the <laughs> Pacific and we're talking about an area to our north. So we're talking about what's called the Rumit Dome, which is in the US Marshall Islands, a huge area of sea with a few islands, a population of about 58,000 people. Now, between 1946 and 1958, the United States detonated 67 nuclear bombs in or above these Marshall Islands. So they took the attitude, there's a huge expanse of of islands here made up of extinct volcanoes, basically. And you've got these people whose forebears would have sailed in from other parts of the Pacific. They've, They've settled on these volcanic outcrops and the United States had acquired them um, some years ago and so... They said, well, look, it's a sufficiently isolated area. Remember, we're, in 1945, we begin the nuclear era. We have the tests that are carried out in New Mexico and Nevada. Britain's case, by the way, they, they tested nuclear weapons in Australia, in South Australia. In the desert? In the deserts and also on the islands of Western Australia. And then we had a major uh, leakage of radioactive cloud which swept across central Australia into Brisbane. (laughs) At that point, the Australian government said, look, we prefer not to be hosting your nuclear test. So there is a real problem as to where you're going to test these weapons. So the Americans had opted for these relatively deserted islands, the Marshall Islands. Remember, we're living in a very racist time. So the view was there are only a bunch of local Pacific Islanders. Why do we need to worry about those? And what they also did, so they carried out the nuclear tests and they were also, of course, carrying out soil from the Nevada test site, and they then created what's called a conical plug. So if you can imagine a a plug in the earth, 30 foot wide, 8 foot deep. So it's, it's a hole that was made originally by a nuclear explosion. So what they then did was line this hole, which is 30 miles, 30 feet across at the top, running down for 8 feet, they wrapped it in concrete and then poured into this all sorts of nuclear waste, which they had scooped up from the Marshall Islands and then also which they had brought in from Nevada. And so they, they just put it into this this dump and then covered the top with concrete and uh, the concrete is, is, is there. This is the tomb. They have buried the waste in the Marshall Islands. They're supposed to be paying compensation to the people in the Marshall Islands, and they're not. 
So it's it's for me it's fascinating. Now that I've come across this story in the LA Times, the LA Los Angeles Times. Los Angeles Times has been monitoring generally nuclear issues. They've got their own problems, I might just say, because um, San Ofre in California has a nuclear power plant which has been decommissioned and has also got nuclear waste. And they're worried about where they're going to store nuclear waste. So some nuclear waste is fine after a few thousand years. Other nuclear waste has got to be around for 24,000 years. And some is even longer than that. So we're talking about a nuclear waste that you've got to, wherever you put it, it's got to last for 24,000 years. And when you think we're sitting in a city where we can't even put up apartment buildings that last more than a few years without cracks appearing in the concrete, we're talking about having to devise concrete which will last for 24,000 years. And also to let people know this is off limits. There was an interesting study done in the United States about how would you be able to warn people thousands of years into the future who won't be able to speak your language the be wary of this spot. In the end, they came up with an idea of a black marble plinth. If you saw the movie, was it 2001? Remember how it begins with that black marble plinth? I haven't seen it, but I can imagine what it is. Like yeah. it's a big, just a big... Plinth sh- going up into the air. Oh. And, and that then becomes a warning to people. And so, the, the, so this team of scientists said, we cannot guarantee any language that we use as warning will last 24,000 years, but perhaps if we could have a solid black marble plinth, it might serve as a warning to people. Because the problem is with radioactivity, you can be walking over radioactive areas and and you wouldn't know it. And then you get, of course, uh, the cancer. Well, this is what I'm thinking, right, because I still remember when the French dropped their atomic tests and the whole atolls went bright coloured. But then... How do you contain the, the radioactivity in those areas in the water, though, Keith? Well, that's exactly the problem. So the, those waters then disperse it. Now, the, the French argument, which they advanced in the mid-1980s, was to say, oh, well, the ocean is very large. It covers 70% of the Earth's surface. Therefore, we don't need to worry because it'll just be dissolved. A bit like dropping something into a glass, you know, I don't know, some sort of tablet into a glass, and then the, it'll get dissolved. Was that backed by scientists? No. Mm. A lot of, that's why some are opposed to French nuclear testing. Uh, the Australian government, by the way, actually did its own survey of French geological conditions in southern France and said to the French, you'd be better off testing on French soil. But the French aren't going to test nuclear weapons in their mountains in central France or southern France. So anyway, you get you, we've got this tomb and the tomb is now under threat. This is what's worrying people. So it's full of nuclear waste, which has got to be kept away from humans for, let's say, 24,000 years. That's problem number one. Problem number two is climate change. In other words, sea levels are rising. Now, at the moment, there's a bit of controversy over climate change because the, the controversy is over why is it occurring? Some people are saying it's human-made because we're burning up fossil fuels, etc. And you've got others who call themselves climate change deniers, they're not denying that climate change is occurring. They're just simply saying it's being, it doesn't get caused by humans, it's caused by volcanic activity, sun activity. It's something which the earth does. In other words, it's natural, it's not human-made. That's the point of difference. What causes it? But most people 
agree that there is a problem with climate change. So if you look at somewhere like Norfolk, Virginia, in the United States, which is the largest naval base in the world, now they have had to monitor sea level rise because if you, if they think there's going to be a lot of water coming in, high tides, etc., all of their ships have to go to sea. It's too dangerous for them now to remain within those port facilities because they would bounce up against the, the walls, etc. So the US Navy over decades, have been monitoring sea level rise. So they know the sea level is rising there. They also know in the Arctic, which is the North Pole, that the ice is getting thinner because ever since they started sending submarines under the ice, they have had to be able to measure the thickness of the ice in case that submarine gets into trouble. It needs to be able to punch its way up through the ice to get to the surface. And they have realised over the decades that the ice is getting thinner. It's going to be easier to rescue submarines. That's the good news. The bad news is the the ice is disappearing. It melts and therefore leads to uh, rising sea levels. And, of course, the same thing's going on in Antarctica, which is the South Pole as well. So what we're looking at then is the tomb on these very low-level atolls in the South Pacific All of these islands are now confronted by rising water. So eventually you're going to end up with water lapping up against the tomb. And will it therefore lead to the erosion of the concrete around the tomb? This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're talking today about the Pacific tomb. So when the French tested nuclear weapons back in the 80s in the Marshall Islands and those atolls, you'll still remember the footage. I still remember that vividly and I was very young. Well, there's there's nuclear waste that is associated with that. It's all inside this tomb which is breaking apart. So, well, as Australians, we're the closest to it, along with the Marshall Islands and now the Pacific Islands. This would directly impact us if it did escape and then wash around the Pacific, Keith. Yes, indeed. In fact, the people on the Marshall Islands, the French, by the way, didn't do the test in the Marshall Islands. They're Sorry. French. Yes. They did in French Polynesia. Yes. But again, it's, it is the South Pacific. Yes. The problem is, is that, and again, this is reflected in this article from the Los Angeles Times, that the Americans used the Marshall Islands people as guinea pigs. Mm. See, there, there's, there's a whole issue about what does radioactivity do to the human body. You know, we, we are now saying that pregnant women, for example, have to be very careful with x-rays, etc. Well, don't we learn that kind of stuff from Chernobyl, for example? We, we learn it from Chernobyl. We started learning it from Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm-hmm. right? And then we have also, as you said, from Chernobyl and also from the Fukushima tragedy mm. in Japan. And in between, we have the Marshall Islands who were used as guinea pigs. So the Americans were able to see what does exposure to radiation do to people. And so um, this article in the Los Angeles Times, it's a very long article, looks at some of the health issues, people with thyroid gland problems, etc. This has arisen because possibly because of being exposed to the radioactivity. And this is proven in the Marshall Islands. And this is in the Marshall Islands. So this is all part of this long-running controversy between the Marshall Islands which technically are American. They have a a compact of free association with the United States. So they're not one of the stars on the American flag, but they're not yet fully independent either. And they're 58,000 people. They're very difficult to get to. There are no regular flights. If you go to the Marshall Islands, you need to charter a plane 
and that the, the plane might arrive if it can once a week. <laughs> so they are very isolated. And so, as I say, the worry is that the this concrete tomb is beginning to crack. And so as people go onto the island, as scientists, you don't go there as a tourist. It's very difficult to get to. Clearly, no one's encouraging you to go there. But if you're a scientist, then the Los Angeles Times is working with a group of scientists. When you do go there, you can actually measure the level of radioactivity. And in a deeper sense, it's a reminder of the whole issue of nuclear waste. If you think back to the nuclear era, generally, beginning in 1945, it was in the military area, but also in the civilian area. And in the civilian area, we were going to have electricity is going to be too cheap to meter. That was the slogan which they used. In other words, that the electricity would be so cheap, you wouldn't bother to uh, try to impose a meter on it because the paperwork would would only add to the cost of the electricity. It's going to be so cheap, you wouldn't bother to meter it. Well, it turns out that electricity from nuclear power is expensive. The French have continued with their uh, nuclear energy work because they are also developing nuclear weapons. So they see the linkage, and the same with Great Britain. But overall, you'd have to say the nuclear era is not turning out with the promises that we were expected. Indeed, in the United States, they're closing down nuclear power stations more than they are opening them up. The problem is when you do close them down, what do you do with the nuclear waste? Mm. So we're back to this storage problem. And one of the suggestions has been that uh, there's a standoff at the moment in the United States about nuclear waste being stored in Nevada, (laughs) which seemed to be a good idea. Not too many people live in Nevada, but the people of Nevada have rejected it. Of course. So, So in the meantime, all this nuclear waste is being stored in temporary concrete locations around the United States because there is no central disposal point. And the place where they'd like to stick it, the people of Nevada have said, no, we don't want it. And, of course, remember, we've had a proposal that we would put nuclear waste in Australia, which is a geographically stable... We're the most geographically stable continent in the world. So we are not. We have our own plate, as it's called. So a lot of the unrest around the world is because these plates rub up against each other, like as we've seen recently with the earthquake in Turkey. Turkey has a number of plates that rub up against each other. And there's a rim of fire that begins in New Zealand, wraps itself around Indonesia, goes to Japan, which has more earthquakes than any other country, across to Alaska, then down the west coast of the United States, the San Andreas Fort, which you can actually see if you fly over California, and then down through Latin America. Australia sits on its own plate. So there are three locations in the world for listening to nuclear tests, such as those conducted by North Korea, America and Russia, and Australia. We are the third location because we are the geologically most quiet spot in the world. And so we can listen through the earth to hear what other countries are getting up to, particularly, of course, North Korea with their nuclear weapon program, right? Wow, that's fascinating. Some people are saying, well, Australia is geologically so stable, why not look after nuclear waste for 24,000 years? Uh, No, thanks. (laughs) I can see why, Keith, we've said no. Let's be honest. (laughs) Well, you may have said no, but you've got others who are saying, well, we're happy to think about it and we'll stick it in the Northern Territory. I know, but it doesn't matter. I mean, when you think about nuclear waste in general, it's always the biggest argument for it. Imagine if every country in the world, Keith, was generating power through nuclear energy. 
And okay. how would we dispose of it? How? Yeah. How? Absolutely. And as I say, the most obvious place where it's been disposed of is the tomb, and the tomb is cracking, partly because the concrete is not lasting long enough and then partly because we're getting worried with the rising sea level and eventually the sea will be surrounding the, that tomb and then perhaps even drowning the tomb. So then what is the solution here? What are they, what are they planning to do in the meantime? Hoping that it doesn't get into the mass media and scare people. As I say, it's a standoff. The US government is not paying the Marshall Islands the compensation it should do to look after the tomb. That's why the Los Angeles Times, to its credit, has made so much media coverage on this. There's also New Zealanders have been following it as well, some of the New Zealand TV stations. But remember, you can't, it's difficult even to get to the Marshall Islands. How do they have a voice? And that's the reason. Like, why, do they, why do people care? Well, because you have a number of peace groups who are saying their point of view needs to be listened to. Mm. And you've got the Los Angeles Times and a few other media outlets who feel sorry for what has happened to the Marshall Islands and are trying to give publicity to what's mm. going on. Mm. And it's almost like the same sort of story with Kiribati. Was it Kiribati, which is the, 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 the country that's sinking? Yeah, well, they all are. And that's part of the problem because of the rising sea levels. Yeah. But the reason they got all the attention, suddenly the world gave, you know, gave a shit, was because they were put in front of the UN and they were given some publicity that, yep. wise, that way. And publicity is so important. So what we try to do in this series is not only look at what are top of mind, but also some of the big issues that are there, which are simply being neglected by a lot of the mainstream media, although I've got to say full marks the reporting by the Los Angeles Times are following up on this. It shows investigative reporting at its best. And, yeah, and while journalism is on the downturn in terms of people, you know, they're not funding it anymore, there's not enough money in it, it just shows you how important investigative journalism is. Absolutely. This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.